We have been uh, talking about one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Um, <clears throat> it's one of those subjects that you think you start to know something about, and then the more you look at it, the more you find out you don't know very much. So I keep learning more and more. I can't get to the bottom of the barrel here to scrape the bottom. There's always more. Who is Jesus? So, uh, who is Jesus? We started out a few weeks ago, Jesus is a man. Now, when I say Jesus is a man, I'm not saying Jesus is not God. Jesus is God. But Jesus is a man. Today, if Jesus walked in the room, you'd stick your fingers in the holes of his hands. Because Jesus has hands. Jesus gives extravagant gifts. When you need something, Jesus is the source. He has it. We saw that Jesus is playful. Now it's fun, you know, the pendulum of the clock, it swings one way, and then it swings the other way. So Jesus is playful, playful, but Jesus is intense. He's intentional. He's fierce. You know, and so just when you start thinking that it's all sunshine and daisies, you find out Jesus isn't all sunshine and daisies. Is Jesus sunshine and daisies? Absolutely. But he's more than that. He's... You ever met anybody that's complex? Jesus is complex. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't stay and fit into boxes. And uh, just when you think you've kind of got him nailed down, you find out you don't. Jesus is so not religious. There's really nothing religious at all about Jesus. He's just so true and real. And again, I remember a few weeks ago, I put up all those pasty pictures of Jesus. If he's not dead, he's looking dead in almost all of them. And he's always got clean white robes on. And usually there's sheep and children around. And... <clears throat> Flannel graph Jesus is what I call that. The one from my Sunday school years. Which it's not that any of that's not true. It's just that none of that even begins to describe Jesus. Or to reveal Jesus to us. He's so much more than that. And I can tell you, he's amazing. Jesus is so amazing. So amazing to the point that I've come to the conclusion that this... I don't always know the questions, but I know the answer, and the answer is Jesus. Now you fill in what the question is, and I'm going to tell you the answer is Jesus. And I don't care what your question is, Jesus is the answer. He is the one. And so that's why we're, we're spending this time looking at some of the things Jesus did to try to get to know him better. To make Jesus be real. Not real like George Washington real. But, but real like the person sitting next to you on the bench. That kind of real. So we've been looking at different things Jesus did. And one of the things Jesus did was he, he went to dinner with a Pharisee. Now let's try to put this in context for us. Let's say some dignitary... 
the president, the governor, an ambassador, some kind of important person in your life is throwing a dinner party and you got invited. And you, there's going to be lots of other guests. You're going to actually have to dress up. In my case, I'm going to have to go shopping. I've got to buy some clothes I can wear to this dinner. They won't let me in in my standard affair. Uh, other guests are going to be there. There's going to be more silverware on the table than I know what to do with. Right? There's like two forks and three knives and spoons and cups and saucers and napkins. There's all kinds of things that I don't normally use. You getting the idea of what this dinner's like? It's a fancy affair that we're going to. It's a dress-up deal. Now let's say you knew that was coming. Since I'm such an expert on women, I know what all the women are thinking. What am I going to wear? I don't have anything to wear. I got to go get the right clothes. I, I can't go like this. For the guys, if we ever really get engaged in care, we're going to be saying, oh no, which fork, which spoon? Will I do the right thing? Will I sit at the right table? Will I... You know how that kind of feeling is when you're going into something that's... Okay, so Jesus is going to a dinner with a Pharisee. A leader. You know, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, are very religious. They had a very strong structure and authority system. The temple and the people of the temple really, really mattered. It's important to them. And so, um, imagine that you went to this dinner and you're some hick from Highland and you walk in and as soon as you walk in and sit down at the table, everybody kind of stops talking and turns and looks at you. You, you get that kind of feeling like, oh no, what did I do? I forgot something. Well, that's kind of the scene in the picture I want you to be thinking about as we look at this from Luke, Luke 11. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee, important person, having a dinner. Jesus gets an invite. Jesus walks in and sits down at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Mothers of children, this is not saying your children shouldn't have clean hands before they eat. Children who watch this, uh, this is not saying don't wash your hands. What was the purpose of this hand washing they were doing? It was a religious ceremony. Everybody ceremoni ceremoniously washed their hands before these meals. So imagine the Pharisee's house. It's big and fancy. You come in the front door and what's right there by the front door? The wash basin. And this Pharisee's having this dinner party. And so all these people are coming in to eat. And there's a line at the wash basin. Right? Because they're all washing their hands before they come in. Because everybody who comes to this guy's house to eat knows you wash your hands before you come in. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. He just blows past that line. And goes and sits at the table. The Pharisee noticed. Because everybody else washed their hands but not Jesus. Now, 
I was kind of describing me being a hick at the party and not knowing what to do. That's not the case here with Jesus. He knew he was supposed to wash his hands. He knew it. And he didn't do it. The only people that act that way in our society are people that just don't care about anything, right? They don't care about you or your rules. To heck with you. I'm not doing that. That's not Jesus here either. Jesus cares deeply. Why in the world would Jesus not wash his hands? What's the big deal? Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Bam! Welcome to my house. See, if I invite you to my house and you come over and eat, I expect you to at least be polite and kind to me. And keep your comments to yourself, right? <laughs> but not Jesus. Not Jesus. He walks into this stranger's house, this dignitary, skips the whole ceremonial washing thing. Jesus is a Jew. He knows the rules. He knows what he's supposed to do. But he doesn't do it. And he walks right by and then kind of the Pharisee standing there with his mouth open like... And, and Jesus smacks him right between the eyes with, yeah, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside where it matters, full of greed and wickedness. Pass the potatoes. Um, Jesus is so honest. He is so true. See, I don't have the guts to do that. Right? The only time I do something like that is when I'm so worked up and offended that personally I've taken offense at you, so I now shoot off to you what I'm offended about. <laughs> You're so full of greed, hypocrisy. But I got to be mad first, right? I have to be hurt. Not Jesus. He's not mad. He's not hurt. He loves this Pharisee. He loves him enough to skip the wash basin and just waltz right in and lay down at the table. And everybody's looking at him like, what? And then instead of saying, oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot. Let me go wash. No, no, no. And look, this passage goes on and on and on. We'll come back to it. But this is not, Jesus doesn't stop here with your full of greed and wickedness. He blasts the Pharisees. And then one of the teachers says, well, what about us? And so then he blasts them too. And we'll come back to it because it's too good to miss. But we're not going to cover it all today. Except that love is his motive. Jesus came to give life. Jesus did not come to stroll through the countryside to be a good teacher. Jesus didn't come to stroll around in the country and 
uh, heal people. Although he did both. That's not why he came. Why did Jesus come? To seek and save what was lost. And the Pharisees had lost a lot. They honor God with their mouths, but their hearts are far from him. Jesus loves the Pharisees too much to just walk on and leave them alone. So we, we go on, sticking with our dinner theme. Jesus ate with more than just the Pharisees. He ate with Mary and Martha. Um, Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You ever been part of a family quarrel? Not your family? So here Jesus goes to this house. Whose house is it? Martha's house. And, and Mary is there, her sister. And Martha is getting the food ready. And Mary is in listening to Jesus talk. And Martha is not happy about it. Martha has food to cook, table to set, decorations to put in place. Martha is busy feeding this group of people that are in her house. And Mary isn't doing anything to help. Alright, you're at this house now. Martha's working hard, Mary's in the other room talking. And Martha comes in and says, Lord, don't you care? Have Mary help me. What would you do? What would you do? Mary's listening to me talk. That's what, I'm Jesus in this situation. So, you know what I would say? You're right, Martha. Let's move into the kitchen where we can all help prepare the meal. Or I would say, oh, well, I'll help you, Martha, if you need help. <clears throat> See, because I don't want to get in the middle of this argument between Martha and Mary. Right? Anything. Let's just calm this down. Can't we all just get along and pass the potatoes? So here we have a family quarrel. Martha and Mary. Martha's coming to Jesus saying, Make Mary, make Mary be nice to me. Make Mary get up and help me. Make, make Mary. Whose side do you take? Well, we would try to be peacekeepers. And try to calm things down. But not Jesus. That's not the way Jesus rolls. Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> Anybody here have enough guts to say this to Martha? 
See, the ones of us that have enough guts to do it, our motive is usually not that we love Martha. We just, this is bothering me. Stop it. Jesus, that's not his motive. Jesus' motive is he loves Martha. He loves Martha. Now the Pharisee, it seems to me that he kind of just punched him right in the throat. But this doesn't feel that way, does it? Martha, Martha. You're worried and upset about many things. See, Jesus says, Martha, you're so concerned about the food and about the preparations and about putting on a good spread for your guests. What's the motive for that? Well, obviously, she wants to feed this, her guest. Not according to Jesus. She's worried and upset. Is there anything in the kingdom of heaven to be worried and upset about? No. Nothing. Do you remember a few weeks ago, there was like 5,000 people? And there wasn't any food? And they passed around some sardines and crackers and picked up 12 baskets of scraps. You think Jesus has it under control? Do you think that, well that was then though, right? Do you think today that Jesus has it under control? See, I know we're in church and I know the right answer is to move your head up and down. Of course he does. But really, really? Are you Martha? Having to have everything under control and I need help to do this? This is heavy. I need some help. Mary, get up and help me. <clears throat> Chill out, Martha. Won't you come in and sit down too? When it's time to eat, we'll eat. Jesus is so honest. He's so engaged in people's lives. Because... He loves so well. Now this Martha and her sister Mary, they're the ones that have a brother named Lazarus whom Jesus raised from the dead in our story last week. This is the first encounter that Jesus has with Martha and Mary. And do you know that Martha and Mary and Lazarus become really great friends of Jesus and every time he's in the area he goes to their house? See, we don't want to talk to Martha because... Chances are, what do you think Martha did after this? I bet she turned on her heel and went back to the kitchen. And I bet you could hear pots and pans banging in there for a while. At least that's what I'd do. And then she starts thinking about it. She starts thinking about what Jesus said. And it starts to hit home. Jesus is right. Why am I so concerned and worried about these things? Am I getting my validation from the food I serve? Or from God? I don't know what went through Martha's head. It doesn't say. But I know that from this point on, she loved Jesus. She loved him. Okay, so... Let's just step out of these two stories. And think for a moment... How beautiful it is that Jesus will speak honestly to those he comes in contact with.
And think how rare it is that this is done well. Most of us go our entire lives without anyone ever speaking honest, loving, direct words to the most damaging issue in our lives. Right? So, let's take a moment. How many times has this happened to you? That someone loves you enough to disrupt your life and speak honest, true words to you because they love you. See, the only time, not the only time, the most common time that people speak honest, true words to me is when they're tired of my crap and can't take it anymore. Then they finally blow up and speak some true words to me, and and I'm like blown away by it, right? That's when people usually speak true, honest words. Not because they love me, but because they've had enough. I'm done here. That's not Jesus. Jesus isn't done. Jesus loves. He loves well. (laughs) Alright, so has anybody ever spoken those kind of words to you because they love you? How many times? Now the next hard question. How many times have you offered this to someone you love? See, we do things so differently. We chit-chat, right? And we fill our conversation with very shallow words. And when we do try to help, we throw out platitudes and bumper sticker sayings. Well, God is good. You know, we we throw out these little things that we want to help, but either we don't know what to say, or... If we do know what to say, we're too afraid to actually say it. Because you know what's going to happen? When I jump in this battle with Martha and Mary, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get some on me. And now, I'm involved. I can't just finish my potatoes and get up and leave. I'm involved with Martha and Mary. It's going to cost me. When we say the hard things, it cost us. What did it cost Jesus? Well, they crucified him over it. It cost. (laughs) Back at the Pharisee's house. By the time Jesus was done, they were insulted and humiliated. And they planned to kill him. That's the last line at the bottom. So, we say positive, encouraging words, right? And, and Jesus says positive, encouraging words and really, really hard words motivated by his love. Let's say that at this moment, you have cancer, but you don't know it. I know. It's a terrible example. I'm sorry. Right now, you have cancer. And the cancer in your body is destroying healthy cells. It's eating its way. The tumor is growing. It's, It's expanding. It's starting to move through your body. Okay? 
and uh, it's silently ravaging your body and days are slipping by because you're not taking action. So you go to the doctor. The doctor does some tests and finds out that you have cancer. But he doesn't tell you because it's going to be a real inconvenience for him to deal with your cancer. What would your response be to that? I can already see us getting our phones out and calling the lawyer for malpractice. What? If you'd have told me three months ago, I might have done something to, to, to get rid of the cancer. Now it's too late. We'd be mad if our doctor didn't tell us we had cancer when we had cancer. Now let's just say that then he told your family but not you. And your family didn't want to tell you because they didn't want to upset you. You know, he just couldn't handle that, that right now. Or, if they do tell you, they tell you in such a way that they water it down so much that you don't realize how sick you really are. And you think eating kale and beet juice is going to make you better. By the way, don't fall for that at all. It won't work. <laughs> How would you feel if you had cancer and nobody told you you had cancer and then you died from your cancer because you didn't treat your cancer? See, that's what's happening. You have cancer. I'm not talking physically. There are things in your life that are destroying you that your brothers and sisters know about but won't tell you because they're afraid or they just don't care enough to get involved I'm sorry for slapping you around but sometimes we have to slap each other around to wake us up right do you love me Tell me the truth. You can't handle the truth. I know. I know I can't. But tell me anyway. Will it get messy? Probably. It'll probably be real messy. I might even yell at you. I don't know. Forgive me if I do. Do you love me? Tell me the truth. Do you love somebody else? Tell them the truth. See... Jesus loves so well. He always knows what needs to be said. I confess, I don't always know what needs to be said. But I know who does. Jesus knows. And I can ask him, what would you have me say? Because Jesus shoots straight. So this one time, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Can you interpret this any other way than Jesus is saying to this guy, No, you won't. You won't follow me. You're not willing to pay the price. And, and then it goes on. Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. I have been a part of many 
invitation songs and invitation services where we invite people to come to Jesus, I'll confess I've never used this verse as the invitation. No, don't come to Jesus unless you're serious. You have thousands of excuses. Here's what Jesus thinks of your excuses. Let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. See, Jesus shoots straight. A lot of times Jesus' words, while they're loving, they have great impact. What would you say to somebody that said this to you? We wouldn't even know what to say. Jesus shoots straight. This one time, Nicodemus, who was a scholar and a teacher, came to Jesus at night. And Jesus was teaching this man. And about halfway through the instruction, Nicodemus just doesn't get it. He doesn't know. And Jesus says this to him. You are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? Okay, he just called him stupid. Right? This is Hebrew for, are you kidding me? You don't know these things? Then this other time, the Pharisees were claiming that Abraham was their father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. Uh, You see... If I were to say all these words, quite frankly, it would be because I'm a jerk and I'm mean. Jesus is not a jerk and he's not mean. And he says these same kind of words. (laughs) So then, they're in the upper room having the Last Supper. And Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And Judas says, is it me? And I don't have that verse, but the answer is, Jesus said, yes, it's you. (laughs) Face to face with his betrayer. And Judas says, is it me? Uh, No, of course not. Judas, it's not you. You would never do something like that. That's me. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, yes, it's you. Um, Would you like to have someone in your life that shoots this straight with you? Oh, I know. Don't answer too quickly. Because part of this is, it's going to disrupt your life. And Jesus is the great disruptor. And the fact is, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you have someone in your life that loves you enough. Who knows you intimately, yet loves you regardless of that. See, most of our greatest fear is, if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me. So I have to put up a a pose so that you'll be able to tolerate me. Because if you really knew... If you really, really knew, you'd be out of here. Jesus really, really knows. You know, you have no secrets from Jesus. He knows your every weakness. He knows your every strength. He knows your every thought. 
And he loves you anyway. See what that's like? That no matter what you've done or what you've thought about doing, Jesus loves you. And he's willing to be completely honest with you. Now see, for most of us, we've never, ever had this kind of relationship with anybody. And it's really scary to step into that kind of relationship with Jesus. And I know it's be very disruptive. But isn't there somewhere inside of you that really craves that? Don't you really want to know? I do. Most people, to get somebody to be honest with them, have to hire someone to do it. We call them therapists and counselors. And we go pay them money so they'll be honest and tell us what no one else will tell us. So I'm offering that as a service. If anybody wants me to speak mean words to you, you can pay me up front and I'll be glad to. I'm kidding. No matter what it takes, no matter what price you have to pay, you need this. You need someone who loves you that will speak words of truth into your life. You need this. I need this. I'm pretty good. In the standard of whatever the standard I use is. But there are things in me yet not addressed. That I need to address with Jesus. And Jesus is the one. But Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Sometimes when I know you well, I don't, I don't stand at the door and knock. I just come to your house and throw the door open and say, Hello! Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He wants to come in. But he'll only come in if you invite him. Who is Jesus? Jesus is honest. Jesus never ever says anything that is not true. Does my butt make these pants look big? I don't know what Jesus' answer was, but it was true, whatever it was. You know what I mean? Don't you want honesty? We crave truth because the truth sets us free. And Jesus is the source of truth. If you ask him, he will tell you. Or he will send someone to tell you. See, we don't really understand real love except when we see Jesus. Because most of us are in some kind of transactional relationship. I need something from you, and you need something from me. So we're bartering and exchanging things back and forth. You know, we have that kind of relationship. You scratch mine, I'll scratch yours type of thing. 
Jesus doesn't have that kind of relationship with us. He is the good shepherd. We are his sheep. He cares for us. You see, the hired man doesn't care for the sheep. He'll tend them. But he doesn't care for them. Jesus cares for the sheep. He loves us. Jesus is always honest, never false. He wants to speak to you. He wants to be one with you. John 17, pray that we would be one. He will shine his light in the dark places, exposing what is false, so that you have the opportunity to cling to the light. Jesus is so honest. And you can trust him. He's not setting you up. See, we think that Jesus is kind of manipulating and moving things around, setting us up, skipping the wash basin, right, so he can punch us in the stomach. It's love that motivates Jesus to interact with you. He comes to heal you not destroy you. So I've ended every one of these sermons the same way. Who does that? What kind of a being would do that for you? One that loves you, that's who. Do you want to know Jesus more? Come and see how he really is. Get to know him. <laughs> You'll love it. Do you know how refreshing honesty is? Where somebody's not blowing smoke up my skirt and trying to just stroke my ego, but they actually love me enough to tell me the truth? Tony, what, what were you thinking? What's going on in there? He cares. He loves. And that's what his people do. We care and we love. Jesus, uh, you're incredible. The way you love us. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that, Jesus. I give myself to you. I want to know you more. I want you to know me more. I throw open the door of my heart and invite you in, Jesus. Speak words that are true to me, Jesus. Tell me the truth. I love you. You love me. Come and heal my broken heart and set me free. Pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.